0: Here's the big question. What if you had to start over from scratch and build a business with limited time and resources? Maybe the economy just pulled the rug out from under you, or you're in a business that's underperforming or a career that's going nowhere. How would you flip the switch to go from where you're at to where you want to go? A profitable business that supports your family and allows you to live the life you were meant to live. My name is Jason Liu, And each week, I'm going to bring you guests that are further down the road while documenting my own journey. Welcome to the Business of Feeling Good.
1: All right, so welcome everyone to another episode of the Business of Feeling Good. I am your host, Jason Liu, and I am super pumped to be hanging out with Bishop Reed today. Um, Bishop is... New fast friend, I, would, I guess you could say, but uh, she and I were on a similar journey. Um, knowing James and Partland, uh, we were part of a community and a kind of group coaching class um, that kicked off right during when, I guess, pandemic and COVID and everything began to happen. And so a lot of people were in transition, a lot of people were in pivots, and she and I found ourselves kind of on a similar path right now. She's got an incredible background. I know that uh, writing is definitely in her blood, copywriting is in her blood, creating content. Um, She has an incredible blog where she puts out very insightful, um, very thoughtful pieces, uh, which I would encourage you guys to take a moment to go and check out. Um, But she's also a very deep thinker. Um, She's had some experience obviously behind the scenes working with a lot of influencers, working with a lot of content marketers, um, and now is contemplating. I don't want to kind of take the rabbit out of the hat, but contemplating kind of coming forward and uh, putting out something that's her own. So Bishop, thanks for taking the time to hang out.
2: Thank you, Jason. I'm excited to be here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so I want to kind of dive in because it's fresh it's um it's on kind of the forefront of my mind because you put out a post this morning like it's a gorgeous table you've got like your setup you've got your you've <laughs> got your book and markers and everything but um you talked about kind of sitting down and practicing um each day and I know that writing is something that you're very passionate about um you're really good at um but it's something that it looks like you spend a lot of time working on. Uh, do you mind kind of? Walking us through, we're talking about kind of your discipline here.
2: Yes. So (laughs) on the post this morning, um, you know, it's been about a year since I've been living living by myself and back in uh, actually my hometown. And I came back here kind of not unwillingly, but thinking that this is a super temporary, I'm in a transition and I'll be gone in two months, you know, just kind of get my feet back off the ground. And I say all that to say that, um, my internal world has shifted immensely in the last year. And recently in the last couple of weeks with the changing of the seasons and things getting light again, and I'm looking outside at the, cause the, my whole entire house is like all windows. Right. And I just notice, I'm like, oh my gosh, like the windows are full of green again, and I I never thought I'd see the day. Um, but what I realized is that over the last year, like my, as I said, my internal world has completely shifted. And a big, big part of that is this practice that I've developed with writing. Um I launched a, I launched my blog a year ago, which was a big deal for for me. and even though I was like, as long as my mom just reads it and maybe a friend or two, I'm fine because it's really been more of like a, a healing practice for me. But more in the last six months, instead of writing randomly every every other month or so, uh, I read the Artist Way and uh, several several months ago. And you know if you're familiar with it, you know the the practice of morning pages. And that is something that has shifted so much for me. This practice, if I've always been a huge morning routine person, you know, how you start your day is how the rest of the day kind of ends up going. But I added this to my morning routine and it has been so huge. It's opened these, cr- this creativity inside of me. And I don't want to say that like every day. Of course, some days it sounds, you know, I'm feeling creative and all this amazing stuff comes out. But what I've really learn to do is lean on this practice as a way to, in addition to meditating, um, to meet myself in a more honest way. Um, and so, yeah, it's crazy what, what ends up like when I get in the habit of writing like that every morning, just again, cause I'm so used to structure. Like I like having a topic and these are the three things I'm grateful for. And these are the two things I'm going to do today. And, and while I think that's really helpful, I think this shifting kind of practices sometimes in a practice of completely unstructure can also be really interesting and beneficial.
1: So, so. for those that maybe don't know, aren't familiar with the artist's way or don't know the um, kind of the context, do you mind kind of sharing a little bit about kind of what that morning practice is and how it differs from like obviously having that structure?
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's pretty simple. It's just she says three pages uh, take three pages and just free write whatever comes to mind as long as you just don't stop writing. So pen to paper, it doesn't have to make sense. doesn't have to be dear diary. Today I did this, which I think in the beginning I kind of caught myself just rehashing the day. But then I was like, I don't, I make the rules. I don't have to do this. I don't have to write this. So I It's more of this practice of just completely unstructured free writing. Um, And my pages are small, so it's not like, you know, three pages. Oh my God, how long does that take you, Bishop? But it's probably a total of 15 minutes of just complete free writing. Whatever comes up, I just write down.
1: And not that we have to get into like details of what you write, because obviously it's your writing. But when did that shift start to begin to happen? Because it sounds like... um, you began to notice things in your writing or did you start catching yourself in terms of how you were feeling or kind of what what allowed you to have this breakthrough?
2: Hmm. I think the first month or two, I didn't read, reread because I didn't want to monitor myself or reread it and judge it because that's not the point. And um, so I think about after two months, I started re actually reading some of them. And like you said, noticing kind of some patterns and it's not even after reflecting back on all these pages, but it's more every day through the process of writing, feeling like, Oh, I didn't know that was there. You Mm know? Oh, I didn't know that, that, um, that I felt that way. Uh, and I mean, there were moments where, and she says in the book, it can be a really spiritual practice. And when I read that, I was like, Oh, cool. But that probably won't happen to me. You know, like I'm just going to write and just see. And it really is. I mean, there are mornings that I didn't even know I had this emotion and I just ended up crying while writing. And I'm like, why am I crying? There's obviously something there. So I just found it as a really helpful way to allow things to kind of move through. And um, I'm very, very rational. I can be very rational and analytical and tell myself things and tell myself to feel a certain way and, oh, you're good. And, you know, this is, you feel this way and everything's all good. I'm this huge optimist, but I think that can kind of bite me in the butt sometimes when um, I don't really acknowledge what's there and the writing really helps me.
1: Have you, and we don't have to stay here for a ton of time, but I'm curious, like, have you spent days where you haven't done the practice and how are those days if you, if you've experienced them where you don't do the practice versus the days that you do?
2: There were very few days that I didn't for some reason or another. Um, and you know, I feel like sometimes you tell yourself when you don't do your morning routine, Oh, didn't do my morning routine. So this is going to be, an interesting day, you know, and you blame everything on the the fact that you skipped your routine. So I also tried to be conscious of that, but I do think whether it's writing, whether it's meditating, whether it's just sitting with yourself and whatever space, whatever that looks like for you, I found myself, if I didn't take some kind of time um, in the morning, or and usually, if I skip the writing, then I skip the whole routine. So yep. it wasn't just the writing; it was the meditating and it was my um, my yoga my short little yoga practice. Um, so, but if I didn't take that time, then I am less connected with myself throughout the day. Hmm. And not that it turns into a shit day. You know, I've right. had great days without a routine, but I just find myself less attentive. Hmm. Um, and I noticed, I noticed less, if Hmm. that makes sense.
1: Totally. Totally. It's something that, gosh, I've, I've had multiple people recommend. I do. I don't know that I was in the right space to start it, but it's something that I really want to go back to. So I will, I will keep you up to date on how that starts, but I'll start with the book again first and then maybe come back to practice here. Um, Let's talk, um, if you don't mind going back here, because you are back in your hometown right now, and you did say, hey, I'm only going to be here for two months. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mind me asking, like, what, what brought you back home? Like, what, where was this reset?
2: So I was navigating coming back to the U.S. after living in Brazil for about a year and a half. And I came back for uh, a doctor's appointment, actually for uh down to down in florida i had uh, kind of lived with my mom for about a month or two and then i was like all right i need to i'm gonna go back i'm gonna go back home and she goes back and forth um from florida north carolina this uh, she's a snowbird and so i came back up to our house in north carolina thankfully luckily i did actually have a place to come home um you know, a lot of people hate living with their parents and they're like, Oh, this is terrible. And I'm this age. And, you know, but after I got kind of past that self-judgment, I was like, no, this is actually a really, I'm really lucky to have this. And this is a good opportunity. Um, so I came back and again, just saw it as a transition spot of, okay, I'm gonna, I was at the time I was kind of figuring out how do I take the things that I've done in Brazil? So just a little backstory, I was, uh, the program manager of a, uh, self-development retreat center. And which was so fun. I met people all around the world, you, you know, led these, led these, uh, facilitated these retreats for people that were navigating mostly transitions in their life. I did kind of the mindfulness portion. And so it was incredible and hugely fulfilling, but I knew that it wasn't in terms of a monetary standpoint and also lifestyle. I did need to return to the U S at some point and also health challenges as well. I had to be close to my doctor. So, um, so I was trying to figure out how can I bring this experience and all these things I learned about myself and loved in Brazil and put it into life here. How does this integrate? And that's what I was really trying to understand. And I felt like, okay, let me go back home and, and figure this out. Let me figure it out. I got this. And, um, And so I was having a lot of conversations and just reaching out and asking a lot of people for help and questions and guidance. Um, And that's something I've always been unafraid to do. I know it's really hard for some people to ask for help, but I've always been like, hey, hey you look like you're doing it. Help me. I'm, I I want, I want, I want your advice. And so that's basically what I was doing is having conversations and the, actually how we met Jason through, through Mac and, um, that group coaching experience, I had actually reached out to him asking for some advice. And, um, at the time I was just trying to understand, okay, how can I almost thinking about, potentially going into the work that he does, how can I bring these experiences and share them with other people? Um, cause I just feel like I had experienced so much down there and I just kind of was a little overwhelmed with how does this integrate into American life, you yeah. know, and not just American life for others, but for me. So yeah, that's, that's what I was transitioning through and uh, also trying to figure out you know, money and, um, doctor's bills and also how can I do all of that and still stay fulfilled? So it was a really big, big transition time.
1: So I think what's really great. And, um, through my own experience of traveling is I think traveling gives so much perspective, um, Mm. especially about, especially when you come back into the United States, um, good, bad, all of it, right? Like that you definitely have a new appreciation and perspective, you touched on the idea of how to integrate what you learned in Brazil with kind of making it work here in the States. What, you know, and this is just observation on your side too, but what have you seen or what have you been a part of or practice when you were in Brazil that you think that's maybe we're missing we're totally missing when it comes to here being in the states and kind of the go 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 like climb the ladder get to the next pinnacle type of a and those are my words but you know that type yeah. of mentality
2: yeah that was probably the hardest part when i came back to the states is i felt like you know walked into a coffee shop anywhere i went everyone was just like darting from one thing to another on the phone. And I had actually gotten back and I hadn't had a phone (laughs) like three months. So I was so used to not having a phone. And then I just felt like I was watching all of this technology, almost reintegrating also, not just with, uh, in, in the States, but with technology too. I had a phone again. And just, uh, I think, I think if you travel anywhere, you really see the, not just in south america i feel like in most places in europe and in asia it's just such a different lifestyle in the sense that it's a lot slower and especially where i was in brazil it was on an island it's called florianopolis and it's it's gourd they call it the uh the magic island is basically what they call it so filled with these healers and it just is a lot slower paced um and I think that the pace of life, like you mentioned, is probably the biggest thing that I was trying to navigate and not look at it as wrong. You know, like initially I felt this when I came back to the U.S. I'm like, this is wrong and it's fast and and it's not necessarily wrong or right. It's just different. And how can I adapt in a way that's that's still, still real to me? So, yeah, it was hard.
1: No, I get it. Um, my wife and I spent a good chunk of time. <laughs> Italy, and we were kind of mountainside, countryside, like away from anything. And the first time we went there, there was no internet access, no TV, no nothing. And I went, I was literally stir crazy for two weeks. Like I just didn't know what to do because I was so used to being plugged in. And then after having that experience, it was kind of like this realization that you really can survive and thrive without tech. And, you know, when the locals look at you and you're like bombing down the street in your American walk to the coffee shop, you look like a crazy person. Um, yeah based on how fast you're trying to get there like they're like don't you want to look at the sunset like don't you want to like take time and you know just meander so um totally.
2: absolutely yeah and I think what you what you asked about what's missing and this is just obviously so general like to to generalize the whole what are we missing as a united states of america that's a big general you know general statement, but I feel like the biggest thing maybe I was missing before I left the States is that this, this way of just, um, connecting with people past, you know, what can I get done? What can I get out of you? And not in a, in a, in a mean way, like what do I want to get out of you? But just, it's so programmed into our, I feel like subconscious of, okay, how can I, how can I I be achieving and moving forward versus looking at somebody in the eyes. And that was such a big thing also that I noticed when I first came back is that people do not look at each other in the eyes, especially if you live in a, you know, a place like New York city, which I, I haven't, but, um, or just any really large, busier place, you'll notice that people very rarely look at people in the eyes. Um, and that is something that I think we're definitely missing. Just just look at people in the eyes more and hold your gaze for a little bit longer and you'll know what I'm talking about. You'll experience <laughs> something special.
1: <laughs> um, so where kind of is this new space that you're in right now? So you've been back for a year. Um, you spend some time, obviously, Brazil, retreat, personal development, personal uh, development, growth. And I've kind of met you kind of midstream it feels like where you're in between kind of this past world that you were a part of and then moving forward um do you mind kind of sharing kind of where where's bishop heading at this point
2: yeah great question i feel like that evolves every day <laughs> uh, especially right now especially right now with what this this world this crazy pandemic world we're living in um But in general, I think what I, what I'd really, what I really see myself moving towards is, you know, still integrating everything that I took from Brazil and seeing, okay, like there's obviously, I really felt that not just in the States, but people are missing something, um, especially in it work. And I came from a sales, corporate sales background It was, you know, high energy sales, go, go, go. It was exciting. I loved the company I worked for. Um, But most of my friends were also in a, not necessarily sales, but working for a corporate or a bigger company. Um, And that's not bad either. And it, I learned a lot from my, my corporate job. And, um, and I think even if I did go back to corporate, I would, it would be in in a more aligned way, but I think that right now I'm really trying to figure out, you know, how can I impact people? Where can I have the greatest amount of impact with people in, in a way that leads to actual behavior change? And I'm really seeing that that is at work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's where we spend 70, 80% of our lives. So if we can start to integrate um, habits and through our work, instead of looking at the personal as separate um because what i was seeing jason is that in at these retreats in brazil you know people would be in these massive transitions and they would come and they would have this really impactful life changing retreat and then they'd go they go back to their after traveling they'd go back to their life and those same people those same jobs they were still there and they would be same situations and they just everything would fall off again so it's like okay how can we impact how can i impact people in a way that actually leads to like lasting behavior change. And so that's when I got really involved with, um, started getting still more involved with learning experiences and designing learning experiences that aren't necessarily go for a week long retreat and have an immersive experience. And while that's super empower, like empowering and important, how can we implement these mini learning experiences into our lives? These micro daily weekly experiences
1: So what have you found right now that does kind of stay like, um, I think a lot of us are looking for not any more of the, I'm going to go to events. I'm going to get pumped up and come back and it, you know, kind of dies off and stuff like that. What have you found? And maybe this goes back to the practice you already mentioned before, but what have you found that kind of stays with you? Um, And how have you been able to incorporate those or, you know, with clients even like, how do you, how do you help someone make sure that, that change they want to make sticks.
2: Yeah, it's tough and it's different for everyone. Um, I think for me, I can only speak personally. One of the biggest things that's helped me and what I'm finding that helps other people also is the power of these consistent, like you mentioned practices daily, um, whatever works for you. So whether it's writing, whether it's meditating, whether you have a coach you meet with consistently account, something keeping you accountable. Um, but what I've, what I've really noticed in my writing, but also in my kind of conversations that I have, and you know, you can't, you can't, you can do it by yourself, but it's so hard, you know, you surrounding yourself with people that really support you and, and have similar practices is so important, but. The power of reflective inquiry, self-inquiry. So having these questions that I constantly turn to and maybe one or two people I discuss them with, bi-weekly, weekly, um, is super eye-opening and keeps me really grounded and constantly coming back to what is what's true for me, what direction am I headed? Um, our, uh, our, our amazing coach that was also on the podcast, Mac, he, uh, he said something the other day to us about instead of always having answers for your questions, how about trying to have a question for your answers and drop the mic. <laughs> I loved that because the power of questions and, and, Feel like every time that I'm at an interesting and not so maybe pleasant place in my life, I'm not asking the right questions, or I'm not asking questions. Mm. Um, I had a pretty low couple months in in the um, in the winter, and I think, and I reflect on those months, nothing physically really changed for me. I'm still in the same location and um and whatnot, but. I think one of the biggest things is that I, I, I was searching for answers and stopped really asking the the quite the the good questions, you know, and so um so yeah, questions, the power of questions. And if you have again, if you have somebody to share those questions with versus just asking yourself the same questions because it can get a little bit of a mind a mind dump. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it can it get lost in
2: those questions.
1: It really can. And I think, you know, having having someone like Mac be able to kind of pull you out and be like, look at it from this way. I'm like, oh, I've never thought about looking at it from that way. Yeah. Um, I think that's that's such a big benefit of having good coaching. Um this is just being able to have someone that sees it maybe from a little bit different of a peak or different mountaintop. Um, because I think sometimes when you are not at least I'll speak for myself, when I'm on the climb of the mountain, it just seems like, oh, this is the biggest mountain I've been on. And then you have someone like Mac that's just like is it really, you know, is it really that big? Yeah.
2: Perspective. Um, perspective. Yes,
1: totally, totally. Um
2: and I will say too that what what you mentioned about coaching, it's funny, I was helping people in Brazil and and kind of acting as a coach and a mentor, but I don't think I had ever really had a formal coach before until at some point, um, in that down season of my of the winter, um, I realized that you know, I, I, I needed one for sure. Like, and I think sometimes you have to hit a point where you really, really what that, you know, the whole cheesy quote, but so true again, the, the pain of remaining, remaining the same outweighs the pain of changing. And, um, the, the, I, I actually took a mindfulness teacher certification because I felt so heady. I was so in my mind. I knew that I was completely over analyzing myself into like free, I was frozen, I felt like i couldn't do anything um, and so I had a, I got a coach specifically for mindfulness, and he just showed me again he it's not what he said, but he just really showed me that um, I knew so much more than I gave myself credit for, and I think that's that's really the power of a good coach'll we'll show you that you have the answers, not tell you all these incredible things that you're missing. It's not about knowledge, you know, it's about that revealing to yourself, you actually do have know a lot more than you, you give yourself credit for.
1: You just know too much Bishop. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs)
1: Um, So speaking of, um, so speaking of challenging moments, um, you, you were talking a bit about this week in terms of having challenging moments. Um, and kind of coming up against, uh, a, your own teachings, and then also, um, just challenging moments. And I think a lot of people, especially in this audience, myself included deal with this fear of what will other people think of me, especially as I think creatives, sometimes you are kind of opening up your soul a bit and being like, Hey, here I am. Or like, this is how I'm trying to show up. And especially in those early days where it feels like this is new. Um, it's tough. And you have kind of hit right against the wall. And I don't know if you mind sharing kind of what happened this week.
2: Yes. Um, <sighs> coming up with my coming and meeting my own advice for sure. Uh, so as, as I st- start to push myself more and as you're doing as well of this push, putting your content out there, putting your, your realness out there into the world. Um, it feels good in a lot of ways. And especially when people it gives people permission, I think, to like when I see somebody's like realness just coming out, I'm like, oh, this inspires me and I love this and it feels so good. And and I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from my blog, from posts, from my content, um, of just, you know, hey, thank you. And this is just just positivity. And so that inspires me more to keep putting it out there. But I'm sure, as you've experienced as well, when you do get somebody maybe disapproving, or having negative a negative reaction, you, I, uh, question myself, and it it sucks because as the the people pleaser that I, I'm not going to say am but i had the habit of being um you know we all want to be liked and and approved of and if you're putting yourself out there not everyone's going to approve of it and um and learning that that's not a reflection of that has nothing to do with me um and that's really hard to to keep reminding myself of um you know people's thoughts and opinions of you it has more to do with them and so again, that is so easier said. And I give that advice all the time to some of my clients that a lot of my clients have, you know, putting themselves out there and, um, and I help them with their marketing and I'm like, you know, they, they get that self doubt and I'm constantly telling them, Hey, the, the more you want to spread your message, um, the more probably negative feedback you're going to get, you know, the, if you, if you remain small and just put a little bit of yourself out there, yeah, you might not get a lot of backlash, but Um, I think the more important your message and the more you put it out there, the more at risk you are of, of getting that negativity and you have to start to get comfortable with that. And it's hard. And so for me this week, I, I got that really for the first time, somebody that I really love and respect and admire, um, giving me some not so great feedback and, um, disapproving. And it was crazy, Jason, of how much that one, that one thing Just spun me into what am I doing? Oh, maybe I should pull back. Maybe I shouldn't write like this. Maybe, you know, all of these for like a solid day. And thankfully just a day. It wasn't like, you know, a month or two months or a year. But um yeah, it makes you question yourself. And when a thousand things can be going right and a thousand people can be telling you, yes, keep going, and one person says, This sucks, and I don't agree, you're like, oh no. So, um, it's hard and, and it's hard not to take that personally, um, for sure.
1: Does, does that person and tell me if I'm getting too close to the vest here, but does that person have, is that person along this journey at all in terms of like, I want to be an entrepreneur or a solopreneur in some capacity. Like I want to put content out there. Um, how did it, where did it come from or
2: yeah um so yes yes they they are and um but I think you know reflecting on it that again a question so I I was I was triggered by it for sure and yeah. I felt like oh oh no and I felt really bothered by it and I asked you again like that that a question that we you and I have talked about is you know what is what is what is in this person that like I am resisting in myself you know, and looking at that and seeing, um, yeah, they don't like something about it. And that's allowed. They're allowed. Somebody is allowed not to like me. I am not for everyone. Um, and in convincing myself that I am is just gonna, that's, that's just gonna be misaligned expectations. So I think, um, knowing and realizing and having the perspective of, Hey, like whoever it is, whether it was this person or other people in your life that quote unquote disapprove of you, they're coming from their stories and their, their, their own limiting beliefs and their own insecurities. And, um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that just as when I see things and I'm like, "Mm, I don't know about that. Like that's from my stories and my background and my personal stuff. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of the place i try to I try to put myself in when when I don't get approval of others.
1: No, I get it. I get it. um I don't think any of it's easy, and I think that every time I've gone through some sort of a pivot, and you and I have talked about this that like i think and I've been on the other side of it too, where I'm like I don't want people to leave like being that person watching other people leave my community or leave my circle um and being disapproving of it, I've been on that side and from a place of like, I think early in my career thinking I knew what was best, um, mm-hmm. for these people. And it had nothing to do with the fact that they were doing anything wrong. It was, I think I was trying to do my best to protect those people, um, how I saw fit at the time. And, um, I think it came from a place of love. Maybe it didn't, come out as love, but it definitely, yeah. <laughs> it, it definitely came from a place of, I care about these people or else I wouldn't be saying it, um, which I know Mac talked about today, but, uh, it's never easy. Um, yeah, I was, I was in front of a, I was in, I was at my cousin's wedding and, uh, I had just left school. I left, uh, I dropped out of UC San Diego cause I was going to do network marketing. So I was going to do one of those pyramid things. And I come from a very traditional Asian family <laughs> yeah. and I'm super proud of it. My parents are very outside thinkers. Um, both of them are business owners. My mom used to be a school teacher, but they're both business owners. Anyways, so I'm like super pumped. I'm like, you know, two years into college, I drop out. Everyone else is going to Stanford, Harvard, Yale, Carnegie Mellon, like no joke. And I'm like, I'm at UC San Diego. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do one of those things. And you can imagine yes. it was like 300 people. And uh yeah. One of my uncles stands up and he's like, he literally berates me in front of my entire family, um, berates my parents. Like it was just, oh, wow. And it, it really, it rocked me, you know, like two years in it, it totally rocked me. Um, And I probably used it as a great anger point and anchoring point for me. But um, I've found that over time, my reaction to that type of feedback has definitely changed. It's definitely evolved. um, for good or for bad.
2: And family is tough. Like, I think family's the toughest. Yeah. For sure. It's like, you know, it's not just a random person or a friend. It's like family, you cannot escape. Yeah. Or maybe, can. I don't know, but um, that's really, that's really tough. And I will say that actually, that is, I think, the very first time that I got complete disapproval and did it anyways um, when I was in college and got into network marketing as well. So <laughs> network marketing is like the, re- the rebel, the rebel child. Um, but yeah, cause it's different and people don't understand it and there's a lot of negative connotations. And I think that's the first time that with my family as well, it was this complete, you know, just you're wrong. This is wrong. What are you doing? And uh, you got to learn to kind of just follow your own path. And even if they are right, you know, quote unquote, Right. It's like you've got to learn those lessons yourself, um, and that's for everyone. You know, we, we've we've all gotta we've all gotta learn our lessons in the way we need.
1: So, I think one thing that we can kind of maybe a little bit dive into right now is kind of how do you distinguish if you're on the right path or not? Um, like, how do you know? Maybe it's something internal. Maybe it's feedback. I don't. It's different for everyone, but especially since I think sometimes being an entrepreneur, being a solopreneur can be very lonely. Like you've talked about, like reaching out to people, asking for help, but it can be very much of a lonely journey sometimes. How do you figure out if you're on that right trajectory for for Bishop?
2: Yeah, for Bishop, that's an important, it's an important point. um, Because that word right and wrong, I think I, I think about this all the time is that yeah like what is what what is right what is what's the right path the right way to go and i really feel like there for so long my entire life i thought there was one you know and i'm sure that you can relate to this having that traditional asian family of this is this is the way you do things and i very much had that growing up as well my dad very traditional like this is this is this is the way you're going to do things you know you go to school you go to this prep prep school you get this internship Um, you go to this college, meet these people, and then you get this job working at a bank and making this amount of money and then you buy a house. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Um, but I think that for me it was, I mean, I still feel like it's a constant process of returning, coming back to yourself. Um, and again, I do a lot of that through just really committing to those daily things of making a space to listen. Um, and, in silence. That's honestly one of my biggest things now that I'm noticing that is my way of feeling is this, again, we'll just use right as a, a word, but a filler word, but, uh, the, I guess true what's true to me. Um, because it gets, it's, it's hard. I don't think I figured it out either. Um, for sure. I mean, I for sure haven't figured it out, but, I think every time when I check myself like recently I noticed i i have been asking i felt like I feel like I have been on the the true path for for Bishop for a while now um and even though even though things feel uncertain and things come come up, like I know at the end of the day or in the morning if I'm checking in with myself and feeling you know is this something that I would do regardless of money or what others think about me. And if the answer is yes, then I'm doing it, you know? Um, and it might not be clear, but for like countlessly asking that, continuously asking that question of, you know, if, if, and I, and it does, it is kind of morbid, but really getting comfortable with like the idea of death.
1: Yeah, I was
2: listening to this interview the other day by, um, Ocean Vong and the, the writer of um, I think it's called the the book on earth. We are briefly gorgeous. And he was talking about how he does a death meditation every single day. And, um, and I, and I actually did one. I actually, I actually used to guide one, a death meditation in Brazil for the participants. Um, just, just getting again, really like aware that this is, this life is going to, is, is super, super transient. And, Um, I think if you've ever had any health challenges or, you know, been close to anyone that you've experienced death, like you, you realize that. And that's when people decide to, Hey, I'm, I'm getting a divorce or I'm quitting this job or I'm starting my company or I'm moving to the woods or I'm moving to the city, whatever it is for you. Like you realize, Oh God, you know, the trouble is we think we have time, but you realize time is not is not proven to anybody and so to kind of come back to the point is um i think that having a space where you can feel like now is all i have mm. and that's something that i i have a i have a mantra that i tell myself every single day um i think for for about the last year and a half and um and it's um at the end of my meditation i'm just put my hands on my heart and i just tell myself like I'm open today, I listen today, and I trust today. And just giving myself almost permission to trust myself because, I mean, for, I would say up until about a year and a half ago, I never trusted myself fully. My body, what I told myself, like, it was always I had to go outwards for the answer. Um now I don't even remember the question. I don't know how I got on that tangent. Oh, but yeah, how I know I'm on the right path. And just that constant, that daily check-in, not even a weekly check-in or a year, like daily check-in of, I trust you, you know, telling yourself I've got you and, um, just giving yourself permission to listen to yourself.
1: What is, what is a death meditation? Cause I'm not familiar with the work.
2: Yeah. I think that, um, I think there's a couple different like versions. There's no, again, like right way to do it, but the way that I, I, uh, I used to give it to some of the program participants in Brazil is really, I'm sure that you can find some online as well, like simply on YouTube or, or whatnot. Um, but going through a body scan and visualizing is so, so powerful. Um, And it's something that I'd kind of like to practice more of. Um, I, I usually practice mindfulness meditation, which is, kind of simple awareness and noticing your breath and um, just kind of waiting for something to come up in a way and just having one anchor and choosing one anchor. But visualization, visualization is something that I know a lot of people practice. And, and in the death meditation, it's basically this process of visualizing your entire body dying. Um, your, you know, things shutting down, your, your heart, like slowing to a, to a, nothing basically and visualizing your cells dying. And it's just a very intense process of really watching yourself and, and imagining yourself dying and almost like in a, and this might freak some people out at some points, but you know, in a, whether you're in a grave or in the ground and, um and, and seeing, you know, you're, you're, you don't have your friends anymore, your family, and none of that matters. None of it matters. Not your to-do list. Um, and it's a, it was one of the most powerful practices in this 30 day program we used to do. And people would reflect back on it and say, yeah, because most people don't think about it or they, they resist thinking about it. And, you know, it it was really emotional for, for, um, for people as well. Like imagining that their family is gone, their friends aren't there. And, um, I think that was some of the hardest part of the family, you know, um, really imagining that you're not there. So yeah, it's, it's a very intense visualization, though, of just imagining that day.
1: It's incredible. Uh, I don't, I don't think I've ever. Oh, I mean, I know for sure that I haven't spent the time to to go through that process before. But I think I do think about mortality, and I think about, you know, n- none of it's ever really promised, right? Um, and the time that we have, what? what are we using you know what 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 do we got like you know mac always talks about like what what are you using that you've been given and are you using it to give it away to other people right now and uh those are some really those are some really serious conversations to have that i think more importantly that it brings up like that you move and you change not necessarily when it's the nice and frilly and happy and things are great that you're easily moving on to the next thing it's always in these moments of life is smacking you upside the head saying, you know, are you, are you really living it? Are you doing it? And typically it's when you're in pain or in struggle or in challenge or in flux. Um,
2: Absolutely. I think that what you just said is, is basically now reflecting kind of the the biggest pivots in my life. Um, Whether it was moving to Brazil, quitting my job, starting the path to becoming an entrepreneur they all, all of those pivots started with, um, actually, were triggered by a death, um, or or something that could lead to a death. So whether it was my own health challenge, whether it was a coworker passing away um, that was extremely young, and it's just like somebody, it, whether it's you're really close to them or just in your reality, just gone, um, and uh, yeah, and. The, the most recent one of a, a, a friend of mine, um, passed away last year, a year, two years older than I was. I think he was 20, 29. Wow. And he had just gotten his, he was, he lived in South Africa. Um, he was South African and he had just like, one of the most beautiful, nicest people you'd ever met. Um, such a light and he had just gotten his doctorate. Um, and, yeah, just been through all this school and was about to go and um and he he actually passed away on his birthday. Wow. And in a car accident. And that really again like as as terrible as it was it was for me um a returning like a, a coming back and like okay, what's important? And I think that's also a, a great simple question every day. What's important? And I've always heard from, um, I don't know who's the person of this, this quote or whatever it is, but, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing, like every day, what is the main thing?
1: Hmm.
2: What is the main thing?
1: That's really, that's really beautiful. Um, and I think it's a good place, I think, maybe for us to put a bookmark, because um, I'd like to come back here and I'd like to kind of, as the journey goes on to check back in on one of these again, um, because I think it's such a... I think it's such a calling at times to be able to kind of entrepreneurship or, you know, putting yourself out into the world is such a amazing calling. And I don't think necessarily everyone's called to go do it, um, but it's such a personal journey. And it's really cool to kind of witness your journey, um, kind of your coming out of your own you know, I don't want to say shell because you were never really in a shell, but y- your kind of ability to get out into the world a little bit more and to be brave enough and to have the guts to put your work out there. Cause I think it's really beautiful work, uh, Bishop. And uh, it's been cool to be a part of this journey with you. Um, where, uh, if people want to check in and people want to come find you, read your work, um, connect, um, get coaching, where do they come find you? Where do they come hang out with you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. dot is uh uh is my website and it has my blog on it which is called Wake Up Human and it also has a little bit about working with me in terms of marketing or mindfulness coaching doing doing a little bit of both um or just sharing your own story I love I love listening to other people's creative expression too so um, and yeah and just on any social media minus Twitter I've never really gotten into Twitter but uh it's just Bishop Reed, R E I D so
1: yeah, thanks. I'd love to connect with anyone. Yeah, go uh, go check out Bishop's work. She's amazing. Um, and Bishop, thanks for taking the time to, to hang out, to share your story, to open up, be vulnerable, all that good stuff. And uh, I learned a lot out of our conversation today. So thank you.
2: Likewise. Thank you so much, Jason. I love this.
0: Thanks again. I hope you guys grabbed some great value out of today's conversation. If you wanna further the conversation, I'd love to meet you personally. We've got a free Facebook community that you can dive into, free content, more resources, and I do lives every single week where I get a chance to interact with you and help coach you on exactly what you need. If you wanna find it, you can find us at The Business of Feeling Good, or you can search the hashtag B-O-F-G. Again, that's hashtag B-O-F-G. If you like this episode, please share it. I'd love to hear from you. Your comments, your reviews truly mean so much to me. It's the lifeblood of what keeps me going and it's how I craft the content that's better gonna impact you. I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Until then, cheers.